Michael Osterling here. I'm with Wendy Jordan. She's Senior Policy Analyst at Taxpayers for Common Sense. How you doing, Wendy? I'm doing better than you with your uh, <laughs> recovering from the flu. I'm not contagious, so we're all good. That is, uh, I'm going to hold you to that. Well, just spray yourself with Lysol on my <laughs> way out. <laughs> it's product placement for Lysol. <laughs> this, this winter, there's, yes, much needed. So uh, we're here together to talk about the audit of the Pentagon. <clears throat> you recently did a blog post on it, and I want, kind of want to follow up on that. Well, one thing, that's, one thing among many things that's very interesting about the audit, it, it has been required by law since the 1990s, I think 95 or so. That sounds about right. Okay. Uh, and it's the last agency in the federal government to start. Attempt. <laughs> attempt <laughs> an audit. I think the other last two is were Department of Homeland Security, which did did complete an audit, and NASA, I believe. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So let's talk about uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, why why would you think it took so long to even get to the point of starting an audit for the Pentagon? Well, I think it's interesting what you said about the Department <clears throat> of Homeland Security because Homeland Security is the closest to roughly analogous to the Pentagon. Uh, it it is a a department of departments. Uh, the Pentagon is much the same. You have all the military services within the Pentagon. You have, you know, the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, and you have the Undersecretary of Defense, uh, the Comptroller, uh, personnel. You have major, major organizations within the Pentagon, which was sort of the argument that people fell back on for years on why the Pentagon, why it would be so difficult for the Pentagon to pass it, an audit or even attempt an audit. Uh, well, then the Department of Homeland Security was established in, I think, 2003, and um, it brought together many disparate organizations from all around the federal government. And those organizations had legacy accounting procedures, uh, you know, legacy personnel programs, and they were all cobbled together into the Department of Homeland Security, and, and it was a successful marriage in some ways and an unsuccessful marriage in others, but DHS passed an audit. So uh, I find it uh, informative uh, that people still sometimes fall back on the, wow, DOD is so complex. Uh, Well, I'm somebody who has spent almost their entire professional career uh, working in or around the Pentagon uh, on very often on money matters, not always on money matters, uh, but also on hardware uh, and, and some policy. And here's what I know about the Pentagon. They're excellent record keepers. You know, the Pentagon, an organization tells the Pentagon to do something and they do it. You know, they set up a system, they double check how the system is going to operate and they move out on whatever was a decision from whatever higher authority. You know, so it could be the National Security Council, from wherever, uh, the Pentagon puts a system in place and moves out on it. Uh, So I've always found it interesting that that the the various systems within the Pentagon can't seem to to talk to one another. Hmm. Uh, or match up with their computer systems or their whatever. Uh, it, it was a back in the 90s when we were sort of going from the, 
if he if he actually passes out from the flu, we're going <laughs> to stop this podcast. Um, uh, back in let's say the '90s, when you were going from the old trusty IBM Selectric mm. to uh, having a, a computer on your desk, you know, back then is when we should have started resolving the issues with software compatibility, uh, all that sort of mechanical reasons why you possibly would have difficulty passing an audit. Uh, For whatever reason, uh, inertia uh, or the possibility that the Congress wasn't really pushing them that hard on it, um, the Pentagon never put in place the systems that would allow it to pass an audit. So, <clears throat> mentioned Homeland Security, you mentioned the Pentagon. Uh, as a point of trivia, what do they both have in common in terms of an individual connected to both of them and their audits? <laughs> ah, wait, wait. <laughs> Don't tell me, as, you, as the radio show says. Would it be David Norquist? Uh, it would be. So, there you go. It's a... <laughs> I can't believe you let me into that one. Uh, anyway, the... Um, <clears throat> One of the things that concerns us at Taxpayers for Common Sense about the idea that the Pentagon uh, hasn't passed an audit is that the Pentagon is a you know, $700 billion roughly enterprise. Uh, and the, I, you already have issues with keeping track of that much money. Mm-hmm. Then to really not have the systems in place that allows you to keep efficient track of it uh, is daunting, uh, and also for a taxpayer organization, uh, very disappointing, uh, because you, we feel it is it is a a base requirement of the federal government that they be spending your money wisely, and if we don't know where that money is going, how can we possibly uh, certify that it's being used well? Uh, so. And it's, and it's not just money that needs to be accounted for, equipment, buildings, right. land. Yes, yes, all of that. <clears throat> uh, and that is another thing that I find puzzling about the Pentagon. Um, I think it's pretty clear the Navy couldn't tell you how many ships it has. Uh, I think all the military services can tell you how many aircraft they have. You know, the big capital systems. Um, there evidently was some uh, problem with cross-checking uh, with the state of the equipment. So if you had something that was non-operational, for instance, did that count hmm. or didn't it count uh, on your list of systems? Uh, evidently, there, was, there wasn't, either wasn't clear guidance or there was different guidance between the different portions of the Pentagon. You know, let's say, I'm gonna make this up here, let's say the Air Force and the Navy Mm -hmm. uh, had different ways of accounting for whether or not, how many aircraft they had. That's a hypothetical on my part. But um, there was a lack of uniformity in how those things were counted, and that's because of the stove piping of, the, in particular, the military services, but then the other um, subsets of the Pentagon. 
Now, you were both at the Pentagon and on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to your Hill time. Okay. And not as, not as a policy analyst going to the Hill, but you actually worked on the Hill for a member of Congress. Right. Did you hear much interest among members of Congress and or their staff and you know, people that you work with on some of these questions that taxpayers, including your group, Taxpayers for Common Sense, would be asking? How is the money being spent? Where is it being spent? Yes, I mean, my, the second boss who I worked for on the Hill of the House Appropriations Committee. So, uh, you know, the Article One uh, responsibility of the Congress, uh, among the Article One responsibilities is uh, the power of the purse, as they say, and so the Appropriations Committee um, enforces that, maintains that power of the purse uh, in the... Uh, legislative branch. So the hearings that I went to as a, as a staff person supporting a member of the House Appropriations Committee were very, very much about how is the money being spent? Is it being spent the way the Congress has directed it to be spent? Is it, is it being spent efficiently? Uh, you know, we, we gave you $400 million for X and uh, you didn't spend, you only spent 250 million last year. Why would we, um, why would we this year give you your full request when you haven't spent the full amount that we appropriated for this program last year? So I think my experience as a Hill staffer is probably different from the average Hill staffer because in particular where I worked, uh, or the issues that I worked on had to do with how the money was appropriated and then how it was obligated by the Pentagon. Or, or other, I, I also worked on State Department, I worked on Commerce, I worked on uh, foreign operations. So That's why you're my go-to person on these things. Oh, very, oh, very <laughs> well, nice. Seriously, because <laughs> you, you both worked at the Pentagon and you, were both, and you also were on the Hill as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously now taxpayers groups. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so can't hold a job <laughs> for or at least for long. <laughs> um, so it's 2019. Mm-hmm. We're you know late winter. We do have some results from Mr. Norquist, mm-hmm. who was the comptroller. He's mm-hmm. in a new position now. Um, <clears throat> what do we learn? Well, it's uh, interesting that there were subsets of the Pentagon which uh, received. They some people say they passed. It's actually. I think it's a clean audit is what it's called. Uh, So the civil works portion of the Army Corps of Engineers uh, had a clean audit opinion. The Military Retirement Fund, uh, the Defense Health um, Program, DHA, Defense Health Agency, uh, the Defense Contract and Audit Agency, and I always say when I'm talking about the audit, it would be very embarrassing if the defense contract <laughs> and audit agency couldn't pass an audit. So shh, they dodged that bullet. And the defense uh, finance and accounting system, well, the working capital fund of DFAS also received a clean audit, not all of DFAS. Um, modified opinions, which mean that they, for the most part, passed, but they evidently want to see some different accounting practices were the Medicare and Medicare eligible retiree health care fund, which I don't think is terribly large, I don't know, and the Defense uh, uh, Commerce Agency, uh, uh, Commissary Agency. 
um, which is uh, like two and a half billion dollars. For, for the Pentagon, a fairly small subset. Um, other things that we learned were, were that the Pentagon has $2.8 trillion in assets. So if you think about that, I mean, you, you think just about the amount of land that the, the Department of Defense controls and the value of that land. Domestically. Uh, domestically, yeah. that's right. Uh, um, the, you know, what is the value of an aircraft carrier? What is the value of, uh, you know, an F-15? Uh, all those things have to be decided and weighed, and you know the the answer is two point eight trillion dollars in assets. Then there's two point six trillion dollars in liabilities. The vast majority of the liabilities, ninety four percent, are in either employment or retirement benefits. There's not a lot of ways to fix that. Uh, if you wanted to to reduce the ratio between your your assets and your liabilities, um, you'd either have to buy, buy a lot more stuff, uh, which may be what the Pentagon would choose to do, um, uh, but you, given the system of benefits and, the, and how much we pay people, and this is not just military people, this is civilians as well, um, and, and the value of their retirements, then you have um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of liabilities. So that's so among just, the things we. So we should sell all the assets to pay off the liabilities. <laughs> no, not going to happen. I, I know. think we're going to have. A, <laughs> I teasing. think the Department of Defense is going to continue for a good few years. You want to buy an aircraft carrier? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you, you brought up something I think that's really interesting. I think it'd be really good to make some distinctions and clarifications. You you named uh, four or five different sub agencies or agencies that got clean audits, mm-hmm. and it leads me to ask you because we talk about audit the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. But it, and it's not just the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. There's a lot of other agencies involved. Mm-hmm. Talk about kind of the structure so people have an idea. Of, oh, my God, all these things that are being audited, very much like you talked about, I think it's 22 agencies within Homeland Security now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you have, oh, gosh, uh, we could talk all day about the structure of the Pentagon and the wiring diagram of the Pentagon. Uh, but you have... Um, not just the military services, as you said. You also have the Missile Defense Agency, which is one of the mm-hmm. largest subsets uh, from, a, I think, both a people and a, um, and a cost perspective. Uh, Missile Defense Agency, you have uh, the entire personnel system, uh, civilian personnel system. Uh, the military personnel systems are, are within the services. Uh, you have the comptroller, who are the financial officers, uh, financial officials of the Pentagon. You have the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, which is the, um, when I worked in the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, we had an official uh, in that office who used to say that we were the State Department of the mm-hmm. Pentagon. So that, uh, that organization is, is set up uh, uh, along regional lines and as well as um, functional lines, and that's an enormous uh, number of people in the uh, in the Pentagon. So you have, and you know, there's so many, like the Defense Commissary Agency, mm-hmm. and uh, you have so many organizations that are not household names. Uh, you know, the United States Navy, most people have heard of. 
the Defense Commissary Agency, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so you have just steps upon stovepipes uh, of organizations that do their thing, they do it efficiently, presumably, uh, and they've been doing it for years in a certain way. To then have to crosswalk uh, the functions, the accounting functions, of all of those disparate organizations is a very complicated task. I, I'm not going to you know, suggest that this is an easy thing. I am going to say it has to be done, uh, <clears throat> but it's not easy. That's what I was kind of uh, wanting to get the point across. It's not like it's not like you're just doing three or four branches. No. You have all these sub-agencies yeah. and, and, and such. But your your point's well taken. It needs to get done, and it should have been done 20-some years ago right. as required by the law. So <clears throat> if I remember correctly, Mr. Norquist um, talked about he wanted to proceed with the audit because he wanted to find out what 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 agencies would not be able to complete the audit, get a clean audit, because then he could go in and, and fix the, or mm -hmm. have them fix themselves, as opposed to, for, if I remember correctly, some of the other folks in the past wanted to get everything fixed first and then get a clean audit. And he's kind of, if I remember, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong. I think that's the way he described it. Kind of doing it the reverse way of like, let's find out what's going on, mm -hmm. then we can fix the problem. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> besides those agencies that got clean audits, what else did we discover? Uh... Well, where are we at the Navy, the Air Force? The Army? Uh, my <coughs> my recollection is that the Marine Corps is is close to yeah. being to having a clean audit opinion. That's my recollection. Uh, I'm sorry that I don't have at my fingertips of it, uh, or actually more like my brain cells. Uh, a, a recollection of the next tier uh, beyond the ones that got the modified, the two that got the modified opinions. Uh, but the Marine Corps is the smallest of the military services um, in terms of people and physical assets. Uh, so it makes sense that the mm -hmm. Marines would be the next most likely. Uh, the Marines and the Navy, remember, are both part of the Department of the Navy. So, which is when, if in fact the idea of a space force comes into fruition, it will be the same uh, uh, type of organization where the Department of the Air Force will be above the Air Force and the Space Force. The Department okay. of the Navy is above the Navy and Marine Corps. I find it interesting that one portion of the Department of the Navy yeah. can pass and one, or, or is very close to passing, and one is evidently not. Uh, and I may be incorrect on how close the Navy, the, the uh, US Navy is to uh, being, to receiving a clean opinion. Uh, but that has always sort of tickled the back of my brain. Hmm, why would that be? Besides just size, why would it be that the Navy is, is behind the Marine Corps in auditability? Well, since the uh, Space Force, which is coming online really relatively soon, hopefully they start uh, at a good, 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 good starting point in terms of. Well, you have to speak to your friend, Mr. Northwest, <laughs> about that. Yes. Our, our friend, Mr. Northwest. Yes. <clears throat> um, so, so what, what are the next steps for the present day comptroller in terms of you know, getting clean audits for some of these agencies and branches that haven't? Well, I. I <clears throat> I am not privy to uh, 
what particular stumbling blocks they came across for each other subset of the Pentagon. Uh, I am assuming that uh, they are taking best practices from those organizations that were able to pass uh, and making recommendations to the ones that have not yet uh, on, you know, this is what works for the Civil Works Division of the Army Corps of Engineers, and perhaps you should be uh, thinking about that. Um, one of the things that I think is, it, and this will seem like a bit of a non sequitur to you, but in the timing is everything department, uh, the audit came out within 24 hours, the report of the uh, National Defense Strategy Commission came out uh, and was immediately, you know, dropped off the radar screen in the news because something else happened in the news and I don't even remember what it was, but, you know, something else happened and wiped away all talk about the audit or the Strategy Commission. But the National Defense Strategy Commission, which is an out, was an outside non-governmental uh, or a commission set up by the government, but it was non-governmental people on it, um, uh, recommended a three to five percent increase above inflation to the Pentagon top line over the next five years. So uh, that piqued my interest and uh, I went and looked at, I decided, you know, three to five percent above inflation for five years, you know, inflation compounds, uh, I was like, what on earth, how much would that be? So I, I did a chart that had the FY19 defense appropriation level, which was 674.4 billion, uh, and I used the CPI inflator, and I ran the numbers on, if you increased by 3%, over the next, every year, over the next five years, it, the, in the fifth year, we'd be spending 882.8 billion on, on the Pentagon. If you, in, if you increased spending by 5% above inflation for the next five years, in the fifth year, we'd be spending 971.9, so let's round that up and call that $972 billion on the Pentagon. So and that doesn't include OCO, I, which they're not That's right. Of. No. Right. Uh, it does not include OCO. So, uh, you know, you, that's pretty close to a trillion dollars. So you're going to say, why are you talking about this at this point, Wendy? Uh, that our point of view here at Taxpayers for Common Sense is, if you can't pass an audit, Maybe you shouldn't be, get, if the Pentagon can't pass an audit, maybe we shouldn't be contemplating, uh, you know, 900 to a trillion dollars a year in Pentagon spending in the next five years. So uh, that, uh, timing is everything, uh, and I think that people really need to be thinking hard about the importance of knowing where the money is going. Mm -hmm before we start spending a lot more. From your lips to God's ears. I completely agree <laughs> as a, a taxpayer. There you go. <laughs> and as someone who's fiscally conservative. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> now, you obviously work on a, a wide variety of policy issues here for Taxpayers for Common Sense. Uh, it's not just the audit. You also do DOD. I sense we're about to veer off script. Reform. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you to talk, and not in great detail, just some of the other things in terms of DOD reform that kind of, kind of fit into this mm -hmm. that are on your plate and things that you're looking at. 
Well, you <coughs> mentioned it, uh, the Overseas Contingency Operations Account, uh, which is, uh, I refer to it as magic beans money, or you know that, that somehow Congress considers it magic beans money as if it doesn't count. Uh, it does not count against the caps um, from the Budget Control Act of 2011. Um, the good old as, days. As amended. Uh, uh, but it sure as heck counts against the deficit. Mm -hmm. So uh, the possibility, and, and the, we're not going to know for certain until the FY20 budget request comes out in about two weeks, uh, but it, certainly there's a rumor that it will be, the OCO budget request will be above $170 billion um, on top of uh, the BCA cap, which is uh, 576, I think, uh, for FY20. Um, so I went, because this is what I do, I went back in history and I said, how? Because we've been down in the in the double digit billions, still a lot of money, but not 170 billion. Uh, I went back and looked at the highest watermark for OCO spending, which was in FY08. Okay. And I think it was it was north of one hundred eighty five billion dollars. Um, uh, in FY08, we were in two active shooting wars. So the idea that we would now say that we have to spend one hundred seventy billion in this off budget account is is a clear just clearly dodging the budget caps. Um, so. We'll be focusing on that a lot. We're going to be focusing on the establishment, uh, uh, how the Space Force mm -hmm. will will or uh, will be requested to be established uh, as part of the budget request, and how the House Armed Services and Senate Armed Services Committees handle that request as they are writing the Defense Authorization Bill, which is where the statutory language that will establish Space Force will reside. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a zillion things that I'll be working on. Uh, I'll also be working on uh, the idea that you um, that the president can take uh, money that has been dedicated for specific military construction projects um, uh, and spend it on something that is not a military that is not that military construction <coughs> program, and uh, we would say is not military construction at all, which would be the wall. Uh, on the southern border. Um, military construction money, it happens to be five-year money. This is getting way down in the weeds now for your podcast listeners, uh, but it does not expire for five years after it's appropriated. Um, you know, for, for comparison's sake, O&M operations and maintenance money is one-year money. Uh, they, the department has to spend it in the fiscal year in which it is appropriated. Military construction money is is the longest lived money, and it does not have to be obligated, fully obligated for five, in, until the end of the fifth fiscal year. Um, so for that reason, it's a very tempting target mm. if you are looking to sweep up unobligated balances and put it into something. Military construction is the obvious place to go in the Pentagon. Um, the the uh, argument against, besides the Article One argument against doing it. Uh, the fiscal argument against doing that and the political argument against doing that is 
military construction projects are very, very highly specifically called out mm -hmm. in the tables that accompany the military construction appropriations bill. So, for instance, um, I use an example in California in the FY19 bill, which has just been signed, or no, the Milcom bill was signed a while ago, but in the FY19 appropriations bill for military construction, uh, in California, there's money for uh, a particular range enhancement program at Fort Irwin, California. So it's the dollar figure is called out, the name of the project is called out, the base it's at is called out, and obviously once you know the base, you know the state. Uh, well, that means that there are two senators and at least one House member and the United States Army who all want that money spent there. So it will be interesting to watch how successful the administration will be in diverting money that is very specifically called out for specific projects um, to a non-military construction program. So you do some uh, great writing. You on oh, audit. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> on audit. <clears throat> um, in the past, we've talked about the F-35. Um, <coughs> you just talked about the Space Force. Where can folks... Ah, uh, you can go to uh, taxpayer.net, and you will find our website. And uh, if you go to the national security portion of our website, you will find all of uh, my writings on... Uh, national security issues, which is, goes beyond the Pentagon, is also Homeland Security, um, and therefore, you know, border security comes under my purview. So I've done a lot of writing recently. <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, we also uh, have very robust programs in uh, uh, in the energy area, right. in agriculture, and obviously tax and budget. So you can find all of that. Very good. Thank you, Wendy. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. Good to talk to you.